Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're in 2 Corinthians, but sometimes I do a study before the study, and, and obviously this past week um, has pulled on a lot of heartstrings. And what can I say about what took place in Texas this past Monday? You see, whatever I say will probably cause people to not think about the bigger picture, which is not what we need to do at this point. But I do believe that it's important to make what happened an opportunity for us to learn from. Uh, So here we go. Atrocity beyond comprehension. Grotesque, possessed, unbelievable, vicious, depraved, immoral, terror, terror, abomination, destructive, malicious, foul, sinister, corrupt, horrible, reprehensible, awful, grievous, Sick, wicked, disgusting, murderous, shocking, bad, hurtful, ungodly, cruel, perverted, insane, wrong, darkness, hateful, demonic, insidious, ugly, despicable, Nasty, shameful, monstrous, detestable, reprobate, diabolical, iniquity, pernicious, terrible, vile, evil, sinful, and here's the bottom line, guys, heartless. We talked about it last week. The heart of the issue is always an issue of the heart. We need to keep that in our minds always. Otherwise, we'll get caught up in the politics or the other issues of the day that are side issues. The bigger picture of any person that loses their life, and there have been many that have lost their lives this past week, including those in Texas, is that list, I just went through and just thought of a list of, of one words that kind of express what I'm sure some of those words express what you felt this past week, what I felt. But again, always remember what the heart of the issue is, is the issue of the heart. That's bottom line. And so let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Team always does a good job. Here's a, if you're not familiar with your Bible, please get familiar with your Bible. Your electronics will be turned off one of these days, and if you're relying upon your electronics for you to know your Bible, you're going to be lost. Greatly encourage you to have a paper Bible. Nothing wrong with electronics, but I greatly encourage you to have a paper Bible. You see where it's at, Second Chronicles, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. So I guess I should turn there. That might be helpful. And so it's uh, very sad what has happened, so instead, as I was doing my devotions this week... 
I, I came across these verses uh, in our daily reading, and I thought, wow, you know what? That explains it. So we want to go to the Word as much as possible. So 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 12. So Solomon has built the temple. It's complete. He is now dedicating it. Um, as many as possible are there in Jerusalem. This is roughly 3,000 years ago. Solomon, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. So a form of worship. And I know this is uncomfortable for a lot of people. Uh, I encourage you, if you feel so led, you're free to do that here. It, it shouldn't be a distraction. It shouldn't be, look at me, I'm raising my hands. Uh, if that's the case, then don't do that. But if you want to lift your hands in praise, I would, I would highly encourage you to do that. It's very biblical. For Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it. Notice, I have this highlighted. Notice what Solomon did. He knelt down on his knees. This is the king. He knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants. Notice who keeps it? God. We break the covenant. Even Solomon broke the covenant, but God never breaks the covenant. Who walk before you with all our hearts. You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying... You shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel. Only if, you see, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart, even with us here at the church. Only if your sons take heed to their way, that they may walk in my law as you have walked before me. If you and I as believers forsake the word of God on a regular basis, God will not forsake us. The Holy Spirit never leaves us, will never forsake us. But our heart will become cold and calloused, and we will do maybe something horrendous that we wish we would never have done. If anyone sins against his neighbor, now notice as Solomon's praying now, he addresses what? The issue of the heart. If anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants, bringing retribution on the wicked by bringing his way on his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And we're made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, not through church activities not through any works that we would try to do. If you're here this morning and you're a religious person, you're not going to heaven. You need a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus said that. You must be born again. That means you must accept Jesus as your Savior. None of your religious works will ever get you to heaven. Notice what he says. 
Then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants, bringing retribution on the wicked by bringing his way on his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Or if your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because, I have this highlighted, because they have sinned against you and return and confess your name, what would that be? Repentance. Repentance. Acknowledging God, you are right, I was wrong, I'm repenting. And pray and make supplication before you in this temple. Then hear from heaven and forgive your sin, the sin of your people Israel. And bring them back to the land which you gave to them and their fathers. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you. When they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them. Notice that. Consequences. Then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land which you have given to your people as an inheritance. When there is a famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, what happened? Repentance. Repentance. The issue of the heart is the heart of the issue. When each one knows his own burden and his own grief and spreads out his hands to this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive. God forgives. God forgives. And give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men that they may fear you a holy reverence, not an unhealthy fear, but a holy reverence, to walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you gave to their fathers. Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people, so who would this be? You have Israelites and you have Gentiles. Two groups of people on the face of the earth today, according to the Orthodox Jew, just two groups of people but has come from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray in this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all peoples of the earth may know your name and reverence you, fear you. Does this sound like a Christian? You see, we're ambassadors for Christ, guys. We represent Jesus Christ around this whole world. Don't get caught up in politics and don't get caught up in what happened, per se. Very sad, very grieving. No doubt about that. We can, we'll never argue that. But keep your eyes on the bigger picture, the bigger picture. As do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which is, I have built is called by your name. 
Now, when your people go out to battle against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you towards this city which you have chosen and the temple which I built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. I have this next part highlighted. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, And they take them captive to a land far or near. Yet, when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive. Does this sound like Babylon at all? They were carried away, the southern tribes, but they came to their senses and God brought them back to the land. And repent. And make supplication to you in the land of their captivity saying, we have sinned. We have done wrong and have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul, I think Jesus says something about that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Christian. And for the unchristian, for the unbeliever here this morning, the only way you're going to come to understand what true love is is to have Jesus as your Savior. How could we love anyone that would do such a thing? Naturally, we can't. Supernaturally, we can. We can't pray for the dead. But for those who haven't died and have done malicious, evil things, we can pray for their souls. Because eternity is a long time, guys. Where they have carried away, where they've been carried captive, and pray toward their land which you gave to their fathers and the city which you have chosen and toward the temple which I have built for your name, Then hear from heaven your dwelling place their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, to your resting place. You and the ark of your strength, let your priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away your face from your anointed. Remember the mercies of your servant David. Chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven. This is called a miracle. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The Shekinah glory. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy is endures forever and I think that's the best thing I can say about the situation otherwise God is good and his mercy endures we just need to be there for people as representative of Christ and don't get caught up in an argument when someone's grieving they just need somebody to sit with them to love them to listen, hold a hand, 
maybe give a hug. But most of all, it's just a presence because you and I, we represent Jesus Christ and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We do pray specifically for those families in Texas, Lord. We pray that you comfort them this morning as they are grieving immensely over what took place. As a list of words explains, Father, we can't... Our minds really can't grasp. So, Father, we just acknowledge you're good. And we don't understand all things, but you do. And we know you're a merciful God, a gracious God, a loving God, a compassionate God. We hear and see those attributes in your words, so we just say you're good. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. And how many other people during this week lost their lives using all of those words? We live in a sinful world, a cursed world, a fallen world. So, Father, we pray for ourselves as believers, Bible-believing Christians, that you empower us, that you strengthen us with your Holy Spirit, that whoever's paths we cross, we'd be sensitive this week to what you might have us to share with them, the Word of God, a prayer, a handshake, a hug, whatever it might be, just being present with them maybe, just sitting quietly with them. Lord, help us to be aware of what's going on, not just in the newspaper, but in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our own family. To be attentive to someone who's maybe struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts, hopelessness as we see our nation imploding. Lord, help us to be there, to be available. We thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit will never leave us as Bible-believing Christians. You will never forsake us. And if we ask, seek, knock for more of your Holy Spirit, you graciously give it to us. So, Father, we, we say that even for this morning. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we would not argue over Texas, over this, over that, but we just keep taking people back to the issue. It's the issue of the heart. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching as we get into 2 Corinthians this morning, Lord. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort as we studied last week and continue this week. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching. And Father, that you'll be glorified through your word on this campus. Whoever's proclaiming your word, Father, use them in a mighty way. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Well, let's turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians and get into the study. We started last week, actually a couple weeks ago, but we got through verse 4. So we'll go back to verse 1, and uh, hopefully we're going to cover 11 verses. We'll see. we got about 25 minutes, so we'll see what happens. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Guys, there's the big picture. The God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those 
who are in any trouble or going through a similar trial or tribulation with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And we broke that down last week, that God comforts us, whatever that might look like in your scenario. But God comforts us as we go through things so that we're available down the road, maybe a day, maybe a month, maybe 10 years. You cross paths and all of a sudden somebody says something and your brain goes, I went through that. And I remember God met me. And I remember, I remember a verse And all of a sudden you're there for that individual and you maybe can share the word of God with them. That's what these verses are talking about. And Paul goes on to say, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective. I have those three words highlighted. Which is effective. You see, the other comfort, as we talked about last week, of alcohol or drugs or sex or pornography or whatever we try to maybe comfort ourselves with, our kids, whatever it might be, careers, hobbies, when we put our head in the pillow, we're still empty. Just another dollar. Hmm. No. God, the Holy Spirit, is effective in our lives to comfort us. For enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer... Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will be partaker of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we even dis- so that we despaired even of life. Again, I have that highlighted. I encourage you, young people, older saints, start highlighting your Bible. It's not sacrilegious. Start highlighting your Bible right in the right in the columns. You know, I was raised in a religion where you really didn't even touch the Bible. It was so holy. Let alone highlight something. Are you kidding me? No, no. Highlight it. Make comments in the margins. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many." Again, Paul is sharing with the Corinthians a very personal perspective. I hope that as I read that and you listened to the inflection of my tone, that you picked up on this. Paul's not just saying, well, you know, I think in a book I read somewhere, theologically, or I think this might work for you, so why don't you try this? No, this is very, Paul is sharing his personal testimony in these verses of the faith as well as his faith. You see, God is the God of all comfort and comforted Paul during his time of what? Pressure, pressing, trials, tribulations. And as we've seen in verse four, we all go through those times of pressure or pressing, including Paul. A lot of times we take these early saints and we lift them on a pedestal and, and oh, they just, you know, they are, they, we, I just want to be just like them. Well, you might want to read as we get to it, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. <laughs> read ahead of Paul's life and how, what it took place. And you might say, yeah, no, I don't think I do want to be like Paul in that regards. 
You see, Paul allows us to go through tribulations, and again, tribulations is defined as pressure, a pressing together. Pressure, a pressing together. So that we might have the opportunity to turn to him and find that comfort that only God can give. And again, how can the Holy Spirit comfort us? I, I said this at the very end. There was a lot of information, so I wanted to bring it up again. In case you didn't take the note, take a picture of this, because you might think, well, that, that was okay study, but what can I do? We obviously always want to have practical application. So here's practical application through the word of God. Are you in the word of God on a regular basis for yourself that we might benefit? I do devotions for me, not for you. But obviously, people are going to receive the benefits. Through prayer, that's kind of obvious. and We can all pray more, myself included. Through a corporate Bible study like we're doing right now, you could be sitting there and finding comfort, maybe something that was already said, maybe that's something that's going to be said, maybe one verse, maybe one word. If you're attentive to the Holy Spirit, that word might comfort you this morning. Through Christian mentoring, so getting together with an individual, males here, we do males with males and females with females, or counseling, through repentance. If you're beating your head against the wall in sin, don't blame God or anybody else. Just repent and you'll find comfort. You might think, I don't know why I don't have any comfort. Well, you're in sin. How can God comfort you? You're disobeying God. God's not going to bless your sin. So through repentance, through surrendering my whole being to God's will instead of my will be done, Maybe you're not finding comfort because you're wanting your will to be done and your will isn't working out real well. Well, maybe you just need to stop and say, God, your will be done. Because God's will is always the best way for my life to go. Not that I always see it that way, but it is. It is always the best way. But as we mature in the faith, we, find our, we will find ourselves becoming stronger in the faith and then being able to comfort someone else. Like right now, could you comfort somebody? I mean, realistically, if something happened like that, could you realistically comfort somebody? Or would you be afraid to go around them? That's a question we need to ask ourselves, guys, because it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Jesus promised that. So we have to prepare our hearts now for what might take place in our state, in our city, in our town, in our home. This is reality. This is Christianity 103, not 101. This is a little deeper than 101. We've got to be prepared for what might come down, what might come in our, our situation. Because there's an amazing amount of ministry that can take place effectively within the church. When the focus is on God and how he is going to comfort any life so that I might comfort others. And that's what Paul is going to do next as we read our verses. Comfort the saints in what they're going through. Persecution for Christ. Because he had gone through it personally. So let's look at verse 5 through 7. And we've already read it. But I'm going to read it now out of the New Living Translation. So just go ahead and listen here. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 1, 5 through 7. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles... It is for your comfort and salvation. And when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. 
we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Now again, this is not a popular teaching, but as you read your Bible and go verse by verse, you're going to come through verses that are uncomfortable and that are not popular and that we don't want to talk about or think about. But we have to be real. Christians are suffering in other lands. We live in the American bubble. It will never come here. It's already here. Not to the extent of foreign lands per se, but it is already here. Persecution and it's rising. Sufferings, it means to undergo a hardship or something painful. Now these verses give us a different perspective on trials than verses 3 and 4. As I mentioned last week, Christians as well as non-Christians will go through similar tribulations. A pressing or a pressure. Layoffs, crime, rebellion, accidents, bills, vehicles breaking down, inflation, recession, the believer as well as the unbeliever. But here we see something that specifically takes place in the life of the Christian, the sufferings of Christ. And again, we don't like to think about this. This is uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to suffer for Jesus. And why did Jesus suffer in his life? His own family rejected him. His own family thought he was going crazy. Uh, can we talk to Jesus? Yeah, he's woohoo, woohoo. He needs to come home and get some rest. Many of his disciples left him on another occasion, except for 12. So, why did Jesus suffer in this life? Because he didn't go along with the culture of society. As a Christian, don't go along with this culture. You're different. This is not our homeland. We're just passing through. We got a new passport, guys. We're citizens of heaven. Nor with the hypocrisy of the religious elite. Jesus took a stand for what was right. Not self-righteousness, but just for what was right. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And look at what the word tells us. It's so important as we read the word that we cross-reference scriptures. And so if you're new or visiting, that's what we do around here. Not taking them out of context, but making sure that we have the context of the verses we're studying in 1 Corinthians by using other verses. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, 12, we read this. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. First century. Peter, writing to believers, you're having a hard time? You're a Christian. You should be having a hard time. You're flowing, you know, any dead fish can float downstream. You're going against the flow. You're getting slapped in the face. Don't be surprised. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ... Oh, you're one of those pro-lifers, huh? Well, what are you going to do about all these other deaths? If you haven't watched a little bit of news, Christianity is being put on trial this week. Oh, you believe in pro-life, but you don't believe in other things that we should take away. I hope you have an answer. You should have an answer. So if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. We think of suffering as a very negative thing. 
and I'm not talking about going around beating people with your Bible and acting really goofy and weird. Yeah, then you might get something you deserve. But if you're just loving and gracious and kind and sharing the word of God, don't be surprised. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. Young people, I received Jesus at 17. The friends that I used to hang around, they didn't want to hang around to me anymore. I got religious. I wasn't any fun anymore. And God's name was blasphemed. No. But on your part, God is glorified. You're lifting up the name of God. You're lifting up the name of Jesus. You're pointing to the Holy Spirit. But let none of you, I find this list very interesting here. Because if he, if he says this list, what he's saying and inferring is that you could actually do these things as a Christian. Would you lose your salvation? No. But you could actually do these things. That's why we have to be on guard for the enemy. Our spiritual enemy is trying to entice you, trying to entice me. So look at this list that Peter says. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Why would he include that? Christians should never do that. Obviously. But the Holy Spirit put it in there because if I live in the flesh as a Christian and feed the flesh as a Christian, I could do something very horrendous. And so could you. Don't sit there thinking you're Miss Pious or Mr. Pious. A thief, an evildoer, a thief. I'd never be a thief, really. How do you do on company time? Do you take 10-minute breaks or do you take 15-minute breaks or 20-minute breaks or 30-minute breaks? Are you there on time? Are you using the company computer for your own personal time? Are you going to the bathroom and sitting in there for 30 minutes reading a magazine? This is real, guys. This is real. We have to make life real. An evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters. Oh, we would never do that, right? I think it's something called social media today. Isn't that kind of amazing how we're always in other people's matters? Turn it off. Just turn it off. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And are we not seeing that in America? Church attendance is going down. See, when you want to take a stand for God, you have to tell your kids or your adult kids. Biblically, there is one genetic male and there's one genetic female. I don't want to hear that. Well, too bad. Well, I'm not coming around here anymore. Well, I'll love you and pray for you. But that doesn't change me. Because the only reason why I say this is because I know Christians that are changing because they don't want to lose their little baby. Your little baby's not a little baby. He's a grown-up sinner. Do not compromise on the word of God. Marriage is between one male and one female. Drunkenness doesn't fly in my life or in yours. We have to take a stand for Christ. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved or kept safe, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, notice that, according to the will of God, so sometimes suffering is the will of God, commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Back in 2 Corinthians 1, 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, as we suffer for taking a stand for Jesus, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. 
So as we're going through to, to suffer, so we are going to suffer as Christians, you and I today, guys. Paul did it 2,000 years ago. But God is right there to comfort us as well. Consolation in this verse has the same root word as comfort in the previous verses. And do you notice again where the comfort comes from? You see, when we suffer as Christians for Jesus, pure motives, the Holy Spirit will comfort us. We're not to look to others, but to God himself for our comfort. Now, yes, we will comfort one another, but first and foremost, we're to look to God. You've probably noticed by now that these opening verses are not focusing on trials or tribulations, but upon the comfort of God. And see, the Christians living in Corinth were familiar with trials and tribulations. They were going against the culture. Again, just to remind you, they had a temple there where every day there was a thousand temple prostitutes that would go around the city raising funds for the temple. So don't think of this as like, wow, they just had it really easy. Their culture was just so sweet and loved. <laughs> no. So they needed to understand how to find comfort. Verse 6. This does come back to verse 3 and 4. Verse 6, it says, Now if we are afflicted, so if we go through a trial, if we go through a tribulation, it is for your comfort and salvation, which is effective. For enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Because Paul and his companions were suffering for the sake of the gospel, the Corinthians would have, a, have the courage to face the same sufferings. How about for you and me? Clyde and I talk about this on a regular basis, and it's not a good talk, but we talk about it on a regular basis because we think it could possibly come to America. Are you ready to be tortured for Christ? Are you ready to suffer for Jesus? Are you ready to love somebody, no matter what they do to you, and say, that's okay, I'm going to heaven. Take my life, take my life. Verse 7. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, Guys, we have a choice. We can either avoid the sufferings when, when the, the topics come up and not defend the unborn because it's going to cause controversy. Or we can lovingly take a stance and say, when does life begin? Ask them a question. <laughs> Somebody on the news uh, this week correlated these murders with embryos. And unfortunately, the person being interviewed just didn't ask the simple question. Get used to asking people questions. Embryo. You just said embryo. What's an embryo? Because it was a very controversial question. And they put them in a corner. And all the person has to say, you know, you got to turn it around. Really? What, what's an embryo? And get them sp- explaining things. Because life begins when? At conception. So we're killing life. But when they use these generic terms, then people just think, oh, it's, you know, it's just a glob of silly putty. It's not a big deal. Abortion's not a big deal. No, it's called life from conception. Heartbeat, 21 days. Start asking questions. You see, God, knowing, knowing that God is no respecter of persons, Paul knows that God is going to comfort the Corinthians through their times of pressing their trials. And it's such a blessing to know that God is there to comfort anyone. And I hope you know that. He's there to comfort you. Again, sometimes we just lift people up. Oh, God won't, God won't be there for me. Why? I'm just going to ask you one simple question. Why? Well, I'm not like 
<laughs> you got your theology wrong. You need to get your head in the Bible. God will comfort you. God will comfort you. There's no excuse to comfort anyone who would look to him. God will do that. Verse 8, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.8 for we do not want you to be ignorant. And that word ignorant there means just unknowing, unlearned. So in, as we go over these verses, if, if you're hearing something that makes you uncomfortable or, well, you know, I've never looked at it that way before, well, then start reading your Bible and realizing that, yes, Christians go through tremendous persecution. And today, this day, in India, our brothers and sisters in Christ are being martyred. They're dying in India and other nations. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure. I love this, guys. I hope you understand why I love this. So that we despaired even of life. Who's writing this? Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But what is he saying? What did he just say? You don't need to be a Greek scholar. He despaired of life. The persecution was so intense, he was wondering, am I going to make it? I don't know if I'm going to make it. I might die this very day. He was despairing of life. This is most likely in reference to when Paul had been ministering in Ephesus and Demetrius, a silversmith, got a large crowd. It was a riot. And they filled the amphitheater. And you can find it in Acts chapter 19. He was falsely accused of bringing damage upon Demetrius's craft by proclaiming that Diana of the Ephesians was a false god. Has that happened at all in the last two years? Have Christian doctors been ridiculed, mocked, and potentially lost their practice because they went against the narrative of the pandemic? Uh, that would be a yes. We'll never come to America. I don't know where you've been the last two years. It's already here. Now, we don't know for sure, but whatever the circumstances were, we find Paul showing himself real in that he was concerned about his own life. We were burdened. We were burdened. That means to weigh down, to weigh down mentally, to weigh down. Gives us a little insight about Paul. He's, he's human just like you and me. He has emotions just like you and me. Strength is dunamis, force, specific, especially miraculous power, and the word despaired there, it means to be utterly at a loss. Think about that. Paul, the great Paul, at one moment in time, felt despair. That should encourage you and I. That we're not alone in these days that we're going through this transition period. This past week, Actually, it was two weeks ago in the state of Washington, and, and we did verify this. Uh, the state of Washington went through, and they reprogrammed their gas pumps because their gas pumps were only going to go up to $9.99. Now, why would you reprogram a gas pump unless it's going to go over $10? You wouldn't do that, would you? Guys, we're living in desperate days. And if you don't feel it, still pray because people are losing their homes because rent is going up six, eight, a thousand dollars per month. Did that person's mortgage go up that month? No. Their mortgage was exactly the same, but because of the current circumstances of people bailing out of states, 
we can make a whole lot more money, so let's just do it. Let's just do it. Our mortgage is the same, but let's just do it. And people can't afford it. They're actually becoming homeless. They're having to go home and live with mom and dad. They can't afford to live. So guys, this is real. This is real. We're very, very blessed in this area. But let's not lose the realness of this life. There's a plan to take America down, to implode this country. It didn't work two years ago. They tried to crush small businesses. Small businesses are the backbone of America. They're the backbone of America, not Amazon. Small businesses. Can't do it with a pandemic. Let's drive gas up. That'll break small business. I don't know if you guys have been out to a restaurant lately. Prices are going up. Not everybody's going to be able to afford it very close, quickly here. We're going to be going, a gallon of gas or a burger? It's got to be a gallon of gas. And the small businessman, woman, they're going to be impacted. Father, we thank you and praise you that you have a plan and a purpose behind all these things. It's called Revelation chapter 13. We're going to get to a one world government. We're seeing it, even at Dovos. We're going to get to a one world economy. We're so close right now. Cash could be done away with today. We could go electronic. There's going to be a one world religion. We're seeing so many churches compromising, inviting the culture in to infect the church. Father, your signs are all there. So we're looking up. We're excited. But Lord, in our excitement, let us not forget those that are going to be left behind. Let us plant this week, water, fertilize. And Lord, if it's your will that we would pray with someone to receive Jesus, that'd be really sweet, Lord, to pray with someone to accept Jesus as their Savior in our schools, in our neighborhoods, maybe in our workplace, after work, before work, during lunch, being the best employee on the job site, giving our employers that honest day's work for pay, whatever that pay might be. Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit in these evil days where right is called evil and evil is called good. We know the truth, Lord, but the world doesn't. We have a living hope. They don't. And so, Lord, help us to live out our living hope that others will see the peace of God in our lives, the joy of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, the empathy of God, all of your godly attributes that Peter says you freely give to your kids. Help us not to trust in ourselves, but to wholeheartedly trust in you, Father. And again, Lord, we pray once more that you would just uh, comfort the families. And Lord, use our brothers and sisters in Christ in Texas, Lord. Bring the church around these families, Lord, to sit with them, to love on them, to comfort them as you see best. And Lord, for us as well this week, help us to be there. There's a lot of people that need comfort right now. There's a lot of people that need hope. So Lord, help us to be aware of our surroundings, that you'll be glorified in and through our lives this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Well, God bless you guys. Why don't we all stand, sing a closing song. We didn't make it through the verses, but that's okay. We did what God had for us. If you guys need prayer for anything, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, come forward and ask Jesus to be your Savior. You need prayer for anything, we have oil to anoint you with. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.